0: Hi, it's Thomas. Before we dive into the episode, I wanted to let you know that there is background noise of people walking and talking up and down the stairs in the venue. I try to minimise the background noise as much as possible, but sometimes it's notable. Also, I want to let you know that on the website neomarecom podcast, you can watch videos and images of the projects we talk about in the episode. And you can support the show by becoming a patron on patreon.com slash Dam. It would mean the world to me. And if that's not in the works for you. Please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps others to find out about the show. And now, without any further ado, here's the show. Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Neo Mare Show. My name is Thomas Dam, and today I'm at FITC in Amsterdam for the third time, like three years ago, I recorded my first episode also in this area, which is like amazing. So cool. With Mural Pukasemi. And now I'm here with Kim Albert. She runs a creative firm called uh, Make Maze and uh, she's an and resident in the Chicago art department. I was wondering what was your path to starting your own independent company?
1: Oh, wow. It's a pretty interesting, I guess, different path. Uh, I started out in two thousand. Three, really focusing on motion graphics. I had a degree in digital media, I knew some computer programming, but I really, really loved motion. I loved working with time and started making a lot of experimental video work then, um, but also started working for large ad agencies then. Um, And really followed kind of a design and post-production path until about 2005 and transitioned around then to really focus more on software and architecture um, and kind of over the next kind of, you know, five, six, seven years of my career, developed as a creative director and being able to run teams doing work across digital disciplines um, and then found a new kind of home with strategy work um, and particularly, you know, in the creative strategy work of doing, um, you know, planning for, for pretty complicated projects and I, I really loved that work and um, had a great opportunity to kind of go out on my own and develop a practice um, focusing on what I knew as a designer and as a developer to be able to have uh, successful projects and make sure that they were going to be actionable and at the same time um, carve out more time in my practice for my own art and my artistic development. Well, I went to Full Sail University, um, which you know, it's an art school, but it really, it's very, very Mm hands-on. It's all about um, understanding both uh, the conceptual as well as a lot of really great training on mm-hmm. equipment.
0: From there on you discover that you like motion mm-hmm. and then you start building out this feeling and development for <laughs> motion. And what, what, is, what triggered you that, that you uh, saw time as an element in your whole w- way of working?
1: Um, I, I think you know time as an element to me it was kind of a uh, A layer of control Mm -hmm. that I didn't really experience any other way. So being able to parse out information to an audience and develop that work over time um, was so rewarding. There's so much more that you can play with in psychology over time. Um, So you can really start getting deeper with people, getting more intentional. Oh yeah, but yeah, I I love time. You know, learning After Effects and learning how to work with timelines in a non-linear way really changed the way that I thought about art. I had classically trained in fine art since I was very, very young. Painting, sculpture, metalwork. Um, I had worked as a carpenter um, for a number of years doing woodwork and antique restoration. And when I started being able to work with multiple timelines and non-linear time, it just it, it, something just sparked inside my brain, and I, I, it was the way that I thought, um, and I finally had the ability to make the work mm-hmm. that I could think about. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, Can you give an example?
1: You know, there's a there's a really g- great quote from uh, one of my first professors, and he would say, "If you want to make Godzilla chase your girlfriend, mm-hmm. the hardest part is going to be for you to find a girlfriend, right. mm-hmm. because anything is possible." Right. So, you know, with some of my first projects were very political, remixing different footage from uh, the IMF and World Bank protests that were going on in Seattle at that time, and, you know, mixing that in with old films, um, Nosferatu and The Wolfman and things like that, Mm -hmm. to create these very kind of dystopian texture pieces, these ambient pieces. And I had never really been exposed to a lot of experimental video and non narrative video. Um, And that really allowed me to develop the beginning of my voice in a very pure state. Mm-hmm. And then as I started becoming more exposed to work, when I discovered Namjoon Pike and Yins, uh, Jan Svankmeyer and mm-hmm. these like phenomenal filmmakers mm-hmm. and video makers that all worked across different practices from puppetry and stop motion to analog video synthesis, you know, there's pieces of all of that that I've collected in my work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I view for me, art is more of you know, every medium is just another tool in my toolbox. Right. The idea will dictate what I need to be able to build it. Yeah. Um, and and being able to move outside of time is really important for that.
0: Can you give an example how you move out of time?
1: Um yeah, well, I mean, right now, one of the things um, that I'm spending a lot of focus on is really, Understanding and manipulating analog video synthesis, mm-hmm. so working with um, different um, modular synth components, um, you know, and starting with just the oscillation of a video signal, and then manipulating that, and taking that. So I'm really, in essence, you know, visualizing electricity. Right. So it's it's very, in my opinion, very nonlinear. It mm-hmm. is very. Um, reactive I use a lot of video feedback Mm -hmm. Um, so moving the signal in ways that it you know air quotes like shouldn't go Mm and doing things it shouldn't do but that um, that creates kind of an explosion visually that I'm very compelled to yeah Peter so I I actually have a a pretty large uh, analog uh, video synthesizer that I've been Mm -hmm. touring with and playing with for the last year my practice is pretty split between doing commercial work and doing artistic work, mm-hmm. um, performing a lot of live video and creating a lot of video components for installations, museums and uh, other performers to be able to use. Um, and there's a lot of practical effects right now that I'm becoming really interested in from um, I have a like a large kaleidoscope that I built mm-hmm. in my house. Yeah. So I'm using this you know uh, analog kaleidoscope, if you will, and making my own prismatic lenses to put inside of it and then shooting different monitors and screens and lights or people, um, and creating work that way so that I can, um, really see the effect in a more natural state. It's softer. Um, I definitely think there's something, something to that practice that we've lost in the digital that I'm trying to return to, um, and kind of double back on itself Mm -hmm. after I've, you know, learn enough about building certain things in After Effects. Um, I'm recreating them in the physical space mm-hmm. to then digitize them and bring them back right. in again.
0: You bring, you make your videos. You bring it to a life, to a space, mm-hmm. and there is uh, I- interaction with other people uh,
1: and yeah. the music.
0: Uh, I assume. Yeah. How do people react on your VJ sets?
1: You know, it depends on the set. So, you know, I have I have a project that's um, music and dance called Scanlines, um, which is based off of the death meditations that I've been doing for a number of years. And that piece in particular, I I ask for a lot of feedback from the audience because it's really important to me to know what they feel and how they're processing the work Mm -hmm. um it uses a lot of security cameras and uh, feedback loops and things like that in it and that piece in particular has a certain level of tension at the beginning confusion and you know then a very intended euphoria Mm -hmm. kind of as we come to a close which is excuse me very similar to how i feel about these, these particular death meditations that i've been doing
0: What's a, what how can you explain what a death man
1: <laughs> excuse me, what is this thing? Uh yeah, yeah. so I um I lost a, a really, really close friend, mm-hmm. um it was ten years ago in, in January, uh to suicide and it was really, really hard, um, which I think it always is, uh, for, for folks who are victims of suicide like myself that, you know, survive out. And I, I started going out and wanting to really meditate on what that moment feels like and i was particularly concerned um with the idea of his suffering i had really understood as dark as it may sound i really understood his wanting Mm -hmm. to leave and i i understood his his rationality though i don't agree with it Mm
0: -hmm.
1: but i really i couldn't i couldn't let go of the idea that he suffered um, and when I read about the use of um, different entheogenic materials like DMT in death, it became really apparent to me um, that I could utilize that to try to get closer to what that feels like. Um, so I, I kind of designed a ritual for myself where I would go out and participate in these things and sit in quiet mm-hmm. and sit in dark mm-hmm. and ask for... Um, you know, the message from outside, inside, mm-hmm. you know, and tapping into that universal consciousness. Yeah. And it showed me um, many times at this point, it, it showed me information that really affirms that there is a release of suffering mm-hmm. as we transition, mm-hmm. that that energy moves into a stream um, beyond what we can sense mm-hmm. here in this kind of, yeah. you know, physical plane. Um, so that was a, a big part. Of deciding to kind of create work about that practice um, was I, I think there isn't a dialogue in you know really particularly Western culture there isn't a dialogue about death that has a certain measure of um, bittersweet peace peacefulness mm-hmm. and that um, that's something that I hope with that piece uh, we kind of
0: did you use a specific form of meditation
1: um I mean it's you know there's it's like like transcendental meditation for yeah example, I mean because
0: then you can go like really deep in your own layers or yeah is it just like you want to have the audience has this physical reaction to when, when they are participating in your work.
1: I think when they see that piece specifically you know uh, they should enjoy it on whatever level right. they're comfortable okay you know meditation is a thing for me where you know I've, I've dabbled in a lot of different flavors right But, you know, for me, sitting with myself isn't a particular style, it's my style, you know, and that's, um, I was lucky that I I was raised with a very strong foundation that, you know, you have to listen to yourself and follow yourself, Mm -hmm. Um, and I I was lucky to be exposed to Transcendental Meditation very, very young, Mm and um, reading those, you know, books from Maharishi very, very young Mm -hmm. about, you know, uh, constant consciousness and constant bliss, and, Um, I've kind of forged my own way and this that particular performance is one that I've tried to um, kind of express what that is but in a way that is a little bit more open Mm -hmm. for interpretation Mm -hmm. I don't uh, I don't feel like I particularly try to give a specific message with it Um, it's more you know it's more of a question and Mm I'm I'm looking for the answer of you Mm -hmm. know I I see and feel this if you're in the audience, do you see and feel it too? Mm. Um, and if you do, great, let's talk about it. And if you don't, great, let's talk about that. Because mm. that's just as important. Yeah. And other pieces are different. You know, I, I had the, the great fortune of performing um, with Mike Reed's Flesh and Bone, and that piece was you know, very directed by, by Mike and kind of his vision and the, the footage and, and content um, was very collaborative. And um, I'm currently working on a piece with uh, Jeremy Cunningham. We went out to Cincinnati, uh, where he's from, and shot some different ambient mm-hmm. uh, documentary type footage out there. And, uh, you know, it's, it's great to be able to collaborate with these different musicians that have a, a certain flavor and vision, but they understand that they're, you know, they have a, an intention, right. and they allow the collaboration of me yeah. to present them with a visual, and then we have something we can discuss and work from. Right. Um. So each performance is a little bit different mm-hmm. that way. You know, each each project that I'm part of is, is a bit different.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right. And how did you, how do you find like because you're you work independent, mm-hmm. and how do you find like the right uh, collaborators? Is it like with pool of friends or do you? Yeah, it's a mix.
1: Honestly, it's yeah, it's a mix. You know, I've, I've approached people that I want to work with and, and just been like, hey, this is what I do. I mm-hmm. love I love what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, can we talk about it? Mm-hmm. And then sometimes I'm approached. Um, I'm lucky enough, you know, being in Chicago, we have, in my opinion, the best music in the world comes yes. out of Chicago. Yeah. Uh, so I've been a listener for a long time in a lot of rooms with um, instrumental music. And, you know, that was... That was something that was really special to me when those two worlds kind of came together I work right now with a lot of improvised jazz free jazz um, and some more straight-ahead jazz type stuff and I I think with instrumental music um, you know audiences can find it very polarizing very distracting Mm. they kind of can get lost or bored Mm. and you know I think the visual element Helps kind of ground them and bring them in that moment more. Yeah. Um, and as a, a person who experiences music on a lot of different senses, when mm-hmm. I'm there, um, you know, I I don't want to say synesthesia because it's one of those things that like I don't really know what other people experience because mm-hmm. I'm only me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have a really vivid experience when I'm with with certain music. So being able to share that and really participate in it is an honor. As a visual artist, it it still surprises me, I guess, people who've never seen projection, live projection, Mm -hmm. um, improvised visuals. Um, And I'm I'm part of a group called the Instigation Orchestra. Um, We just came off of the festival that we do in New Orleans over Mm -hmm. five days of different pairings and different setups with dancers. And um, all of it is improvised. So nobody is really sure what's gonna happen and there's mm-hmm. an alchemy there as an artist that is very uh, nerve-wracking, it's very anxiety-inducing, mm-hmm. but it's very freeing, um, because you don't know really what's gonna happen. So right. there's something about being in that moment that's very satisfying mm-hmm. for me yeah. spiritually.
0: Yeah, that's so cool. <laughs> no, especially with, with jazz and stuff, it's so improvised, you can imagine it if you are in this pressure group Creating stuff that you feel is like a full body experience when you are working like that.
1: Yeah, it definitely pressure cooker is a good word for it. That's definitely how it feels sometimes, yeah. you know, when you're in that moment. Um and then one once it's happening, it's it's a release, you know, it's it's a drug. It's adrenaline, it's all these like serotonin, it's all these great chemicals in our brain right. get released. Yeah. Um, and I'm hooked. Right. I'm super hooked. I remember the first time that I mixed live video and it was like a next level thing, like getting outside of time and learning after effects and learning motion was, was like the beginning. Mm -hmm. And then taking that work and applying it to then being able to recalibrate time in real time live and show it to people was like a next level moment. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, it's incredibly satisfying and it's something I didn't I didn't know would stay with me for this long necessarily mm-hmm. as like a, you know, as a part of my life. Um, And I'm I'm so incredibly thankful mm-hmm. that it's something that has continued to grow and, and be accessible to me.
0: Yeah, wow, congrats. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah,
1: I came from uh, New Orleans today. From? I got, oh, yeah, I, you landed, you're just, you're I landed, I landed like today, yeah, like 9.30. <laughs> and last night, uh, is the beginning of carnival Orleans. in New Orleans, ah, yeah, ah, okay. so we did like many parades and then yeah wow. so th- it's a yeah it's a lot but
0: what's carnival
1: in New Orleans Oh my goodness you know it's it's really special, hmm. you know, and the instigation festival is also like it's it's such a special thing to set up um, you know and it it always ends right before crew Vue, which is a really interesting parade it's very political hmm. in New Orleans. Um, And I've learned so much about the heritage and the culture and the relationship between Chicago and New Orleans. Mm. Um, I've been part of that project for three years Mm. as a video artist, which Mm. is so cool. All these different, you know, improvisers, movers, dancers, musicians. And it's just, it's a city unlike any other city, especially you know, growing up in the States, you have an idea of what the history of the United States is. Mm -hmm. But then you go to a city like New Orleans, which is older than most of the United States, Mm -hmm. that has a totally different timeline, a Mm -hmm. totally different history. um, And you can really sense that there. And there's a lot of real darkness to it, Mm -hmm. you know? And there's a lot of real um, importance in looking at that darkness and facing it. And I feel like New Orleans, unlike a lot of places in the South, Um, is willing to have those hard conversations and admit to the darkness of that past. And that's a really special thing Mm -hmm. and a really important thing. Mm -hmm. Even in the U.S., you know, I had an idea of what New Orleans was Mm -hmm. like because of the idea of Mardi Gras Mm -hmm. and that vibe. Mm -hmm. Um, And that prevented me from wanting to go there because that's not my vibe. And now that I've been going back, um, you know, playing shows in town and getting to know locals and and getting to know more about the history in the city Mm. it's so much richer and more dynamic and more diverse than i could have ever imagined wow
0: so i should book a flight there you should definitely do it what's the best period to go there
1: i think for the instigation festival of Ah, course yeah come and see the come and see the festival right yeah
0: (laughs) Ah, that's nice um so um, I want to round up, and in every interview, I end with this section um, called Neon Five, yeah, which is uh, a section where um, I ask you for a single recommendation in five categories. Okay, and uh, we start with a book.
1: Oh. Oh man, a book. What kind of book?
0: First thing that pops up. or Last thing that you uh, read.
1: Um. Well, I mean probably what I read the most uh, I'm really I'm a big Eckhart Tolle fan mm-hmm. um, I was lucky to get somebody hit me to the power of now many many years ago and I would say that you know I've read it many times and I listen to it many many times mm-hmm. um, and probably a few times every year I'll That'll listen be. to it while I'm traveling it's really getting centered in the present is such an important thing and it is so easy to lose sight of mm-hmm. time I was having a conversation with a friend uh, yesterday, or maybe it was earlier today, depending on how you look at my travels. Um, And, you know, he was talking about having not a lot of bandwidth and how hard that is with his schedule and his life. And I said, you know, it's got to be so hard when, you know, part of your life is moving really slow. He works on big films, and that's a really slow process. Mm -hmm. And then part of your life moves really, really fast, watching kids grow up, watching time slip by and that's a really a really delicate thing for us to try to stay in the moment and try to keep a consistent narrative and Mm -hmm. timeline and pace and rhythm and our hearts are keeping time for us it's a metronome of being alive and when we stop listening to that when we lose the now everything else falls to shit Mm -hmm. like it's just you're guaranteed to have problems in your relationships problems in your work and problems in your inspiration right so that book for me is very important as far as staying thing in the now
0: right and do you because you listen to it and you uh, read it so what do you prefer do you prefer listening or reading because I'm I'm trying to figure out what works best for me yeah I I prefer listening
1: yeah um I'm happy I read it the first time right at least you know and now especially Eckhart Tolle has a great voice that's the thing and I love I love writers reading their own words there's something about that that's very special right um, you know, hearing David Lynch read "Catching a Big Fish," mm-hmm. amazing. Mm-hmm. And had I read his words, I would have heard his voice anyway. Yeah. Um, so it's it's really yeah. I think it depends on what the what the context is.
0: Right. So uh, next category is movie.
1: Ooh. Well, I mean, lately I've been talking a lot about Gummo mm-hmm. because uh, there's like a whole it's 1998. Right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Look at you. I think so. Maybe, yeah, around then. It's definitely a late 90s film. Um, And it's something for me, you know, I I split my time growing up um, between the the north and the south a bit. And um, Gummo is such a perfect example of how non-linear storytelling Mm -hmm. and documentary and just all of these really great and interesting things about cinema can combine to make something really unique and really special. Um, And playing with ideas of reality, to Mm -hmm. me, is just as attractive as playing with ideas of time. Um, And I can't believe how many people haven't seen it. (coughs) It's come up a couple times in the last week. I don't know if that's like my favorite. It's not my favorite movie, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's, it's come up a couple times in the last week. I'm surprised. When people are like, oh, I've never, I've just never seen yeah. it. No,
0: I, yeah. it's it, like, it's, it has the same light as where we are now, it's very yellow. Yeah. Very yellow light, um, with a lot of kids, I, I, I remember, and they look a bit, like, weird, maybe.
1: Yeah, they had an odd, yeah, it's there was like an odd vibe yeah, to it, yeah. for sure. Yeah. It was, I wa- I watched it so many times as a teenager, mm. so it was like a really, yeah a big film for me at that time. Yeah. Music? Ooh. Man, you know, music. I when I got in my taxi to come here today from the airport, the taxi driver was like, "What's your favorite song? I'm gonna mm-hmm. put it on right now." I've never had somebody do that, mm-hmm. and it was really cool. And the first thing I thought of was actually a song that I heard um, the last time I was in in Amsterdam. I was here um, with with Mike Reed's Flesh and Bone at the Bim House, and it mm-hmm. was just one of the most special concerts I've ever played mm-hmm. in one of the most incredibly magical rooms in the world. Mm-hmm. Like y'all have, like that Yeah, that venue is unlike anything else. Um, and Ida Lupino by Paul Blay came on um, after our set. The DJ played it and there was this moment of just looking around having played this, this pretty heavy show um, with these musicians and, and Marvin Tate is such a great poet and that the sound of that tune will just be foreverly burned in my brain as just um, really what sweetness sounds like. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Now we go to food?
1: Bananas, all day, every day. I walked in here with a banana. Yeah. I will walk out of here eating a banana. Right. Um, I have not had a banana in about 48 hours, and it's a problem. Yeah. Okay. All bananas all the time.
0: Okay. (laughs) specific brand or it doesn't matter
1: no organic yellow yeah okay yeah that's it i get it Um, but when i'm when i am in town though y'all have the best indonesian food yeah like it's just i mean we have a pop-up in chicago Mm -hmm. um called the rice table Mm -hmm. that is like i like i go every time i can get there i get there because there's just nowhere else other than here to get that kind of flavor right it's so good okay yeah
0: and it's in Amsterdam.
1: Oh, yeah. You guys have the best Indonesian okay. food. That's probably all I'm going to eat for, like, like bananas and Indonesian food for the next, like, days. That's really good. I'm nothing if not consistent. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So, uh, last one is miscellaneous. Something from your life you would like to recommend to our listeners.
1: Mm. Oh, man. Do today, today. Do tomorrow, tomorrow. You know, I've been telling myself that for the the past uh, little bit. I've been having a hard time um, just really, you know, at, at every level, I think you kind of have to battle your ego all over again. Um, so, you know, I was holding court with some really, really incredible folks this past week, and it really you know it makes me feel like i want to just get everything done so quickly mm-hmm. and like oh i'm I, I, this site's not where i want it and i gotta do this thing and i gotta document this piece and it's like you know do tomorrow tomorrow mm-hmm. plan well but live now mm-hmm. um and that doesn't mean you should put things off but it definitely means that like you know you can miss the scenery if you're driving too fast um yeah that's it
0: wow it's a beautiful ending <laughs> Thank you so much Thank for you for taking the time and just right out, out of the plane. <laughs> um, where can people follow you?
1: Oh, you can follow me uh, on the internet. Uh, WeMakeAmazing.com or at, uh, at Make Amazing on most social stuff. Or just Kim Alpert. Very easy to find on the, on the Googles. Yeah. And uh, I think the next show I'm, I'm kind of getting excited for is uh, at Roulette in New York um, with Jamie Branch on May 4th.
0: Wow, and um, do you have other uh, um, speaking gigs going up? Or?
1: FITC Toronto, yeah, in April. Oh yeah, that's before May. That's <laughs> um, yeah, I'm really, really excited. I host a little talk show type thing there, and nice. um, it's really, really fun to like go deep and ask weird questions and um, get personal, you right. know? Yeah.
0: Nice, thank you so much. Thank you. Hi, it's Thomas. I want to thank FITC for inviting me and help me set up this interview at the annual conference in Amsterdam. New episodes come out on Mondays. You can subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Neomaray.com or wherever you listen to the show. Let me know what you think of the show by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or by dropping a note on Twitter, I'm at thomasdam at and and on Instagram, at Show. If you are listening on a smartphone, tap or swipe over the cover art of this podcast and you'll find some episode notes. Next to that, Neomaray has a weekly newsletter called Neo Monday with the latest conference news and updates on our digitalized world. You can sign up for Neo Monday at neomaray.com slash subscribe. And now we also have a Patreon page and you can support the show by going
1: to patreon.com slash Thomas Thanks for listening.